So welcome to the third episode of the Head Stuff Podcast. Uh, this is the Annie Atkins episode, which we're all really excited about. Uh, for this intro, I have my friends Matt Mahan and Emer Gavin with me. We're going to talk about Wes Anderson movies for a few minutes. Um, and Matt keeps giving out to me for not saying that the website is headstuff.org. So, so headstuff.org, check it out. That's our website. And uh, you can talk. You're here in the room now. So we're, we're, we're live. Hi, this is Matt. Emer. And Emer. So uh, we're going to your website. It's headstuff.org. Check it out. You know about it. I've heard about it. You've yeah. seen it. Um, so let's just let's just okay. So th- we all know about Annie Atkins now because of the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think obviously she was doing great work before, but she came to prominence because as as I assume you do when you have to do so much detail on a film like that. Yeah. I watched it last night again. Same here. It's incredible. It's just, it's just like, it's like I every should time. Have. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen it though. Yeah, it's not bad. No, it's all right. It's all right. Um, she replayed all the important bits that she did in oh, her right. talk there at Offset. Oh, so yeah, yeah. The whole movie's I refreshed. Got a good refresh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So both of you were at Offset. Yeah. And she spoke. And yeah. definitely after watching the film after she spoke, you're like, notice all the things she did throughout. The level of intricacy. Yeah. Yeah. And the detail they go to. Um, yeah. yeah, every time there was a piece of paper on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, I can see yeah. that. Oh, that's so cool, look at that. It was actually a bit crazy, though, when she said Wes Anderson wrote all the articles for all the newspapers. Yeah. I don't think I'd have that, uh, I'd just be like, put Lorem Ipsum in all yeah. the papers <laughs> and just uh, put it forward, it's fine, no one's going to notice. Yeah, yeah. it takes it above that attitude of, ah, it'll be grand, no one's reading it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, there is, I think there's supposed to be like a couple of papers that, like, you know, in most films, isn't that the way yeah. it is? And they just use the same prop over and over, or the oh, same yeah. writing. But nobody can read it. But Wes Anderson is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Writes all these articles. None of your prop shop. Yeah. yeah. Rubbish. Uh, I suppose if he does any of those freeze frames on the newspaper, if someone ever paused it and decided to read the whole thing. Which people do now. Yeah, they are like that. People are dicks. All those people on YouTube videos going, I'm going to go through this where all the uh, inconsistencies are. Yeah. yeah. I, I did find myself when there's, uh, what's the name of the paper? The the Yodel something. The, what's the name of the town? Dubrovnik. No. no, that's a real place. That's a real place. Zubro. Anyway. Uh, did we, just, did we both time. just watch this last night? Yeah, we <laughs> did, yeah. And we probably should have written something down, you yeah. know, researching that. But uh, anyway, I, I did find myself when there was close-ups trying to read the articles to yeah. see what he wrote. It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But it's there and you know it's, it's there. there. And, uh, yeah, some, I think I should go back and pause it and read the articles. They're supposed to be really funny. They're supposed to be kind of quirky. And yeah. I wonder, can you look them up and get a copy? I'm absolutely positive you can, yeah. without even checking. <laughs> Somebody has done that. Somebody oh, recorded know, a podcast. Annie Atkins mentioned it at Offset about the Mendel boxes that people are selling, but they're reproductions. Yes. So there's probably people selling loads of newspapers saying they were yeah. movies, but not. I wonder how many... She said they made about eight copies of most things, I think. But there's about 2,000 Mendel boxes. Uh, Mendel boxes, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> different, but of the things that they... is a one-time problem. Yeah. No, she said eight in a normal movie, 32 with a wet under the movie. So you know how many takes he's going to have. <laughs> And uh, I like to retake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at the Mendel's boxes, obviously, we talk about the, the misspelling. Yeah. And um, I was, like, trying to catch one where they didn't fix it or whatever. But uh, I don't think that would get past Wes Anderson. No, no. It turns out nothing would get past him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm deciding now that I'm going to remake all these Mendel boxes with the extra T and then sell them like they're genuine artifacts. That that does seem to be out now, though. Yeah. But she does talk about it in the interview <laughs> yeah, we right. just did. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, millions of people will probably listen to it. Um, to this podcast? Yeah. Yes. Like the first two episodes. 
so yeah we've we, i think we went past the population of ireland on the first couple of episodes so nice. yeah advertisers if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> um yeah they, they everybody wanted to take one of the mendel's boxes like the cast and crew um and then she said did we just talk about this she said that they could see which ones were the fake ones on ebay because yeah. it was spelt right um, and then, well, I suppose now people know to make them wrong with that, but she said she can still tell anyway, yeah. just by the colour. They always get the colours wrong, yeah. Yeah, wrong colour paint. I suppose they don't have the Pantone references. They don't have the actual files, they're just reproductions, so... Yeah. Most people don't care, they just want a mental box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spelling mistake or no spelling mistake. I want to eat one of the mental candies. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking when you were talking about people getting the boxes, I'd be like, could I just get one of the kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they look really awkward. Like, as soon yeah, as you like touch it, it'll height. fall over. <laughs> But I still love them. Yeah, they kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, the food they eat in Hook. You know, the imagination food. Oh, oh yeah, in the food fight and all that. Yeah. And it's all, everything's like translucent or, exactly. or um, yeah, really green or really <laughs> yeah. yellow. Yeah, I want to be in that food fight more than I want to be eating that food. Rubio. <laughs> 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 and we'll just bring this back to Hook now. I think yeah. it's more important. Yeah, let's talk about Hook now for the next. <laughs> Wes Anderson's pretty overrated, but Hook. Oh, that's a good movie. <laughs> I haven't seen Hook in years. Is it? Does it stand up? Is it? Yeah, it's Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, and obviously Robin Williams. And Chad here. Bob Hoskins. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, I must watch that film again. Yeah. Wow. And it's Julia Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, it's she's the Twink. No, not Twink. Uh, Tinkerbell. That's Tinkerbell. <laughs> she's Twink, the Irish. <laughs> so let's uh, let's. So where does where does Wes, where does the Grand Budapest Hotel rank? in Wes Anderson movies. Is it his best work? Is it his masterpiece, like people are saying? It's way up there. It is. Uh, it's got to be way up there. Um, is it better than Royal Tenenbaums? Is it, I, was I Royal Tenenbaums? I see, I don't know if I'm ready to kick Royal Tenenbaums off. Was that your, point. that was your favourite up I think until that's, now. that and Rushmore were up right. at my top. Right. And yeah. now, Grand Budapest is up there with it, but I don't know which. There's an interesting thing though, in that Rushmore is obviously one of his earlier movies, mm-hmm. and he had the brilliant filmmaking ability, but the detail of the, sets and props you know yeah. the budget was only so much yeah so obviously there's a gradient of how intricate you've gotten yeah now that we're on it's Grand slightly Budapest less Hotel. Wes Anderson than the Grand Budapest yeah, yeah exactly yeah Schwartzman as well he's got great characters in Russia yeah as yeah. opposed to some of his later movies where the characters I think were rubbish like in Moonrise Kingdom the characters are rubbish I thought those two kids just dragged the whole movie down when they were right reading just with their dead eyes and lack of talent, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying the entire movie dragged the entire movie down? Yeah, so I mean, I found all the other people were fine. It was just those two kids and they just couldn't act. And mm. just, you know, they're supposed to be deeply in love and I didn't get any of that. I think they were Wes Anderson acting, which yeah, is a particular but, brand of acting. Yeah, but even less than that. Because it was just right. like, just be as dead as you can. Deadpan, read out my script. That's what I felt anyway. So you thought... Moonrise Kingdom to me is his worst. Right. Okay, including Bottle Rocket, which I think is a great movie, but it's so it's, it's, not, it's out yeah. of college, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, Bottle, Rock, Bottle Rocket would be down there with it. But at the same time, you're comparing those two kids to the way and Wes Anderson can get Hollywood's top actors constantly. He gets the best actors in the world yeah. every single time. Yeah. Um. So they can play like any character they need to perfectly almost yeah. yeah and then they can turn on the Wes Anderson vibe and it's, <laughs> it's lovely and really endearing every time yeah. but these two kids are just kids you know yeah exactly they probably hadn't seen a Wes Anderson movie so they're know. just trying yeah he's probably like no no that's not how I like my actors to act <laughs> trying to explain it to them just be a bit more 
you know, twee, just be a bit like, you're yeah. quirky. <laughs> it's like, I can't get it across. I don't, I don't know what love is. Yeah. <laughs> so Zero in, in the Grand Budapest Hotel is also he's a child. Good. Yeah, but... I don't know what age he is, actually. He's not as young as the other two. Yeah. But he hits it, he hits the tone. Perfectly. Right. Mm. And I was actually talking about Ralph Fiennes last night. Yeah. I think it's Ralph, one of his... Rafe? How do you say it? It's Rafe, oh, is Rafe. It? I don't fully know. Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Ray Mr. Fines. He's, uh, I think it's his best. It's one of his best films, absolutely. English Patient, whatever, Oscars, he should have got it all for this because it's so good. He's brilliant. And, and then an all round yeah. exposition on yeah. acting. Yeah. He's just, he can do everything now. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah he's and great. And lousy on his poor brother Joseph, who is off the scene now. He's off whatever the scene. he's up to, directing <laughs> probably. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's doing okay. <laughs> he's still living off Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> oh, that's the guy. Oh, that's right. his brother, Joseph. That's, uh, that's the most surprising Oscar film of all time, isn't it? 1998. The year after Titanic. Yeah. Best film Shakespeare in Love. Best it's like film at, at, ever. at that stage, we should have all stopped watching the Oscars. <laughs> like, forever. And yeah. never held them in like any regard. I said this year. Like Gwyneth Paltrow, Best Actress. In what? That same oh, really? year, okay. where she had the worst uh, acceptance speech. I haven't maybe. seen Shakespeare in Love. I don't I'm, know if that's... I don't, think you'd, you'd, I don't think you need to, it's terrible. <laughs> How many Oscars does Wes, Wes Anderson have? Well, it just won... Four? Eight? No, eight? Six or eight? More. It won equal to Birdman, just not the big ones. Mm. He's got any directors, though. He's, no, it's he mostly hasn't. the costume and yeah. the behind the scenes. Which is really the, annoying. I think he's all the details. But I suppose he's a very technical director, so maybe he takes as much from... Yeah, I mean, I, I assume he wants to win Best Production Design, but does he actually win that, or does Production Designer win? I know it's a Wes Anderson film, but... I think he'd like to win Director. I would assume he would, <laughs> and I think he deserves one. And he'll yeah. get one at some point. I don't know if he'll get one at some point at this, this stage. I think he will. Because if he keeps making the things as similar to what they're ma he's making, and he hasn't got one yet, I think he needs to change something up. Like make an action movie. <laughs> Do you think he should? Anderson makes an action movie? No, it could be funny, but he, he stays... He's got. He's very. He's within very strict film, guidelines within within yeah, films. Yeah. And if he hasn't gotten one yet, why would it be like? You know what? If he's using, he's using but that does happen. Techniques. It happened to Martin Scorsese. He won best he's director not for as not his best film. As Wes he's not as samey, but they did give it to him. That's the technical term. Yeah, <laughs> technically, he's not as samey. He's not quite as samey, <laughs> but they did give it to him because of who he was and because of his lifetime life's work. Yeah, and then when they didn't made, give it to him for The Departed. Yeah. They gave it to him for Goodfellas and for Casino yeah. and for everything else he had done. Same reason Peter should. Jackson won for the third movie. For the third, yeah. yeah. We better great. give him 11 Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've only got one chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, he won that for the, the trilogy, really. Mm. All those Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. He should have got, I suppose Scorsese, I think, should have definitely gotten one. Or recognition for Wolf of Wall Street as well. Yeah. Yeah, he, but he, I like that because it was a departure from his usual stuff as well. Yeah, Scorsese doing a bit of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, still off topic. But <laughs> but, but but when Wes Anderson, by the time he's Scorsese's age, that Scorsese won. They gave the him departed. a lifetime achievement award. I think by then it's <laughs> the biggest kick in the teeth, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> I think. Oh, but, we forgot that you were only like you were half good at loads of stuff. <laughs> so here's something that kind of combines everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or what no. they do it. The worst is when they give it to people who are only like fifty or sixty. I think Diane Keaton and people have already got it. And it's like, you're finished now. If you, do, if you do any more jobs after this, we've already got your lifetime. You've been above average. Please leave now, yeah. award. Yeah. Sometimes they do give them to surprisingly young people. Yeah. Mm. Like Taylor Swift is going to get one when she's 30 or something. You know, because it, she started so it's young. It's only right. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't mean Oscars now, I mean like a Grammy or something, but... Like, I was I thinking think, there, I was like, yeah. she's done lots of movies. <laughs> no, like, I think, like, even, like, Michael Jackson, okay, he had done a lot, and he probably deserved it, but he got one when he was mid-40s, I think, probably. A Lifetime Achievement Award. Did he not? Uh, maybe I'm oh, making yeah, that up. Oh, yeah, he might have, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm but sure I've, he had collected a ton of awards. As well. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's won everything else, just, you know, give him the Lifetime one. No. Yeah. Was Anderson's next movie, which I can't quite remember the name of now, he's a producer role on it. Oh, which, really? Uh, with Owen Wilson is starring, and it's like I think they're pinning it down as a comedy drama. It's like it's not a Wes Anderson movie, but okay. he he He's looks like he could be it. quite involved. And the same guy who wrote um, Tenenbaums, I think, is involved in the production. Okay. So that could be, if they make a rock solid movie out of that, there could be talk of. It, the it writers were was Owen Wilson on Tenenbaums. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of, Are you thinking of, um, what's his name, uh, Roman um, Coppola. Coppola, who wrote on did. Life Aquatic. I think Roman Coppola, did he have, a, Limited? he had a guest appearance in, in Grand Oh, did he? And I, I just spotted it at the end and I was like, where was he? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't know, but... Actually, Wes doesn't appear in it, does he? Oh, he look, had... don't start George Lucasing it. <laughs> but he, he appeared in loads of films, though. Of his own films? Well, he appeared in some. Really? Maybe I was wrong. thinking about that today. I don't think he I don't has. Think he, he doesn't do that token no. thing. George Lucas is in all of his movies, dressed up in blue and everything. Yeah, and Anthony Hopkins was in all his, all his movies. Um, oh, yeah. And everything about Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> uh, yes, Quint- he was in, an actor in all of the movies. Quint- oh, no, sorry. What am I saying? <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. What am I talking about? Um, I'm talking about... Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Jesus. Uh, Hitchcock, yeah. Actively brought down all his own movies. Yeah, it's like, if you took him out of it, like, yeah. especially with Django. Yeah, where he's, yeah, Django Unchained, where he's Australian. <laughs> Just even act in your normal voice. Because yeah. even Saoirse Ronan in, in Grand Budapest, yeah. I found it very... She's so Irish. I, is that because she's very pronunciated, because she's an actress? So that when you actually have an Irish accent and you're... Given it all. Yeah. It's like art. <laughs> if you know I think I think the Irish accent really art. stands out in American films. Definitely. Mm. Like... If you have an Irish film and everybody's Irish, it's like, okay, it was just a load of people talking. You put one Irish person into an American movie and it's like, whoa, well, take heard, it back a bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But they're just talking normally. Yeah. It just stands out, you know? I assume Wes Anderson liked that. Yeah, they like, like I'm sure yeah, oh, that's Saoirse Ronan has the capability to do an American accent. I'm sh- sure she did. I think she did. In that Hannah? post? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, that yeah. was a kind of strange yeah. mishmash. Actually, how much did she even talk in that? I don't know. It's just a terrible film. Exactly. Anyway. I didn't hate that. Did you not? No, I didn't love it, but I was I was quite entertained. I think. I yeah. wanted one of those big like action scenes where she kills a lot of people or something, and it never happened. It kind yeah, of just rolled yeah. off and yeah. then it ended. But it it, it kind it's of reminded. It was kind of like Lucy, you know the one the Scary Handsome one came out last year. Which the, isn't too. Which is either. one of the worst films. Absolutely. I hated it. You know what? It didn't get that bad reviews though. No, I know it did okay, and it did all right. I think. Have you seen John Wick yet though? Not yet. Oh. <laughs> Would you like to see Wes Anderson direct a film like that? Well, the only thing is, like, I think... Or take he, a script like that and see what happens. That's it. Imagine... <laughs> it's so different. If he got yeah. the Transformers script and had no <laughs> choice but to direct it. Yeah. Like, It'd be made out of Lego or something. <laughs> he'd, he'd film it in that stop motion style. Like, <laughs> Every action scene, framed center and... Yeah. Yeah. like. Well, actually, in John Wick, they use all wide-angled. So you get the full okay. extent of the action. Which he can do wide-angled. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, like, but you know, with like with Michael, not Michael Mann, uh, who's your man who did Transformers? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. He uh, always does those really close up shots, so you miss all the action and everything. Yeah, you know, yeah. In John Wick, one of the, the great things about it is that you're wide angle, right? 
it's not a great movie by any, but it's very enjoyable. Very enjoyable, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, w- I, I like, I love, like, with all Wes Anderson movies, he obviously writes them and then directs them, so he's, like, hands-on the whole way. Yeah. And I love, I love all his movies, I think they're great. Um, he's my favourite, but it would be really interesting to see him make something that somebody else wrote. Mm. Yeah, or take him out of his comfort zone, basically. Yeah. You can't use your wide angles and you can't use all your, your go-to actors. Yeah, but, but then, then I like I like to, restrictions. Yeah, Keanu Reeves has to be in your next movie, or. Uh, but he can do it. Like he put Bruce Willis into Moonrise Kingdom, and it worked really well. Yeah, but Bruce Willis has gotten over. You know when he started starring in Friends and stuff. He's. Yeah, yeah, but then he he went. But he did like since that he made Tire Four and Five. <laughs> he's, yeah. also, he's a good actor though. Yeah, he's able to. Yeah, act he's able to. Yeah. If you yeah. were to take someone who maybe gets by on their looks of it, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum Chan- can act now. It turns no, out. he can't. He still just dances. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Foxcatcher? No. He's really good. He still took his top off. You know, <laughs> He's playing a wrestler. Okay, here we Tatum go. If, if Wes Anderson had to take, what's her name, Kirsten Stewart. Mm. And Get put something her out of that. I'm not convinced she can't act either. But oh, she, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. And she just puts those stupid faces on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. I thought she was here. That's an excellent yeah. impression. Yeah, all, all this, this, is not, <laughs> this is a podcast, but that was a great face. <laughs> just to describe what happened, she, Emer basically turned into Kirsten Stewart yeah. there. Uh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't waste a year of Wes Anderson's directing time trying to get something Yeah, out. that's true. I'm happy to let him write <laughs> and direct his own yeah, films. Yeah. So. And if Grand Budapest Hotel is his last film, and if he can step up again, what's he going to do next? Like, you know? I mean, I suppose the one time when he did Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm. that was an eight. That was Rodell. Yeah. So that was other people. He did write the screenplay. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. He kind of put everything we just said. Like, to shame. Cause Except for he used all He did it, yeah. He but he did techniques. use all the same techniques, yeah. yeah. Like even um, except for not live action, he didn't use actors, and you know that's true. It's entirely that's, different, that's really. Just <laughs> but his it is techniques. I know. Yeah, like, yeah. A lot like of it's his... thanks to the animation, but he used all the same kind of yeah. go-to things. Yeah. Like even you know when Fantastic Mr. Fox, whatever his name is, Mr. Fox <laughs> was on his motorbike going through. Yeah. And the same thing is in the Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, yeah, yeah. Forward yeah. Shot. But I don't know if I'd call it go-to things. That that makes it seem like he can't do other things. Oh, he can, but I think he likes to leave yeah. his mark on his movies. Yeah, but so I like I would that love as well. To see him go, just, just mad. Yeah, but wouldn't you hate to go in and watch it? Like that'd be really depressing for me if I watched a movie, and then at the end they came up directed by Wes Anderson, and I didn't know. Yeah. Throughout the movie that it was, that would really be sad. It would be interesting what Matt was saying about him producing a film, if any of his. His l- l- look comes through. Yeah, yeah, because I always think of it as when Christopher Nolan was producing Superman. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, it's Christopher Nolan producing it, even though it's the guy mm, from yeah. 300 who's directing it. Yeah. And I was like, maybe he'll have that kind of control. Yeah. And it was terrible and it didn't come. Yeah, I really did not enjoy that. That producer title, inverted commas, has been a bit of a. <laughs> it's. A lot of people have used it to sell a lot of movies. Yeah. And it hasn't meant very much. Or, or the um, presented by, you know. Quentin Tarantino does a lot. Yeah. yeah. Something terrible presented by Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and the sales go through the roof and yeah. it's like. Why did you put your name to this muck? Yeah. Like Eli Roth films, which I just hate. And um... Actually, Keanu Reeves is in a new Eli Roth film. Really? I saw the trailer for it, and he literally is in his house, and these two girls and, like knock at the door, and they're like, could we come in where our car broke down? And I think that's it. And then I think they just go crazy in the house or something. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. But it looks like that bad. It's like, get people into something, go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Like, what are his films? Like, Hostel? I hated that. Yeah. Hostel one through six, <laughs> yeah, or whatever they were. <laughs> is Eli Roth the guy who's in? Um, Inglourious Bastards. Yeah, he's one of the. He's, he's the, the bear, bear guy. Jew, yeah. Bear Jew, yeah. yeah. That's the best thing he's done. 
He did play Terror. Good... Did he do that? Or was that? Oh, that's Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yeah. yeah. That was the um, the the double movie. Grindhouse. Yes. The Grindhouse movie. Yeah. Which didn't really work out. Um, but I love Death Proof. I think it's brilliant. I I saw it as a Grindhouse. Yeah. I, I, it, yeah. I think it works out like that. Yeah. But you're a actually... lot of people don't want to maybe spend that much time in the No. Film and even when I watched. Um... And with the trailers in between, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. But when you watch Death Proof by itself, they have to extend it by like 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. So it actually loses its momentum. I love it though. I just oh, have Death Proof DVD yeah, and yeah. it's one of my most rewatched yeah. Tarantino movies. I don't really know why. It's not his best, I know that. No, but, but I, just I really watch enjoyed it. It's pretty as well. easy to watch. Yeah, encapsulated. Yeah, piece. just Kurt really Russell. Well. Yeah, <laughs> he's brilliant. Who doesn't love him? <laughs> yeah. So he could be in the next Wes Anderson movie. He could. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, I think you could put. I think Wes Anderson can can get what he wants out of actors. Yeah. Um, Forty three takes. You're <laughs> going to get it right by the last <laughs> one. Yeah. But I mean, it's go to people like. Bill Murray, Bill Jason Schwartzman, all those guys. Like Jude Law was probably like yes. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? I'm, got, I'm in now. Is he gonna have me on the next? Yeah, one, that's you know? it. Because Ed Norton was in the last one, and then he was in the yeah. th- this one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Angelica Houston was in Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic. So maybe. And Rushmore. And Rushmore. And they're Jeeling Limited. She was the mother. Oh yeah. yeah she okay. Was. Well, she got. And she was in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Did I just say fantastic? Fantastic Mr. Fox. Did she do the voice in that? Yeah, I think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Well, I think she just just haven't thought about her in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't been in the last couple. But she's just great. Two. Hmm. No, just Last. one. If she was in Fantastic Mr. Oh, Fox, yeah. it's just she hasn't been in Grand Budapest. My bad. But what? <laughs> but what a one to miss out on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, for, before Grand Budapest Hotel came out, I actually couldn't really decide if I preferred the Royal Tenenbaums or Life Aquatic because I absolutely love Life, Life Aquatic. Mm. And and it's funny because now the Grand Budapest Hotel is out, I think I'm like, what's the best film? Is it Budapest Hotel or is it Royal Tenenbaums? That's, You've that's dropped the life aquatic. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if I really have. But that's just how I think about it because most people say Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you, think the music in Life Aquatic is great. Yeah, it's excellent. Do yeah. you ever hear Mark Mothers for a talk about? He had some John Williams orchestra brought in, mm. and they were like, "Okay, now sound like the crappiest, like kind of cheapest <laughs> computer game know, or computer something." Game. Yeah. Or yeah, it was like he had this old Casio yeah. kind of or whatever it was. I don't know, make yeah. of a keyboard. And they had that great like doo 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 So we had this Brilliant. massive orchestra going, just sound a bit cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the richness that you have. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, I love it. And maybe it's because, you know, Bill Murray's the star of it. And more Bill Murray is always a good thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and a lot of the other ones are like small bits of Bill Murray, you know. Oh, and Kate Blanchett was in that. Yeah. And they wanted it to be uh Gwyneth Paltrow, I think. Oh. Because after Royal Tenenbaums yeah, they were supposed to but she wasn't they couldn't fit it into the schedule. She's so they got Kate Blanchett. Them. But they're both, you know, they're both okay. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Life Aquatic, actually. It still was never one of my top, though. When I watched it, I really liked it, but it was always the Tenenbaums and Rushmore for me. Right. And now, Budapest Hotel. Yeah. No, I'm sure I prefer Life Aquatic and Tenenbaums for Rushmore. But, and also, Fantastic Mr. Fox is my favourite animation. Yeah, it is. Yeah, even over all the Pixar movies. Um, oh, even over The Iron Giant. Over everything. The Iron Giant. Yeah. yeah, that is a good movie. It is. What about Akira? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have all day. Yeah, well, I just mean that it's just a fleeting statement. That okay, I, I think best animation. I think we can probably wrap this up now, and I think I think it's it's definitely not crazy to say that maybe the Grand Budapest Hotel is his best work so far. I would agree. It's, it's not close crazy. to a good shot. Yeah. Not too many people will argue with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's just uh, get into this episode. So this is the episode three of the Headstuff podcast with Annie Atkins. What's your website? <laughs> Headstuff.org. <laughs> now listen to Annie Atkins. <laughs> So, Annie Atkins, welcome to the Headstuff Podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Um, just, I better say at the very start, we're recording this in the restaurant of uh, the Maldron Hotel. And so if there's uh, a lot of plates and things banging around, that's what the noise is. Um, hopefully it's hopefully it won't sound too bad. Um, but anyway, thank you thank you very much for coming on. We're, we're actually delighted to have you here. So uh, we're, we're very excited. I hope you're equally excited. To be I on. am equally yeah. excited, yeah. <laughs> you introduce me, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I might eventually. Oh, <laughs> So there's another voice as well. Um, this is Matt, uh, Matt Matten, who's uh, very, very much uh, involved with Headstuff. And uh, Matt's a graphic designer, uh, like Annie. So I've invited him on to talk about vectors and whatever else you people like to talk about. Yeah, fill in the voids that Matt doesn't know about. Yeah. You know, so if you start saying something I don't understand, Matt will pick up the pieces. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I suppose let's, uh, let's, let's first of all just get a, an idea of, of, of where you came from. Um, you're, uh, so you start with certain Wales, I suppose. Yeah, well, I'm from Wales, but um, I'm actually the first Welsh person in my family because okay. my mum is Irish and oh, my right. dad is English, so okay. I was born and brought up in Wales. Right. Um, so I'm kind of Welsh, but I've been living here in Dublin for seven or eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I came here from Reykjavik, where I'd been living and working in advertising, uh, I came to Dublin to go to film school at UCD. Right. And was the film school way better than the school in Wales? You have to say yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really interested in the course at UCD because it was a master's, but it was a year. Right. So, like, you could get an entire master's in filmmaking in one year, right. um, which seems too good to be true, really. And I think it actually was too good to be true <laughs> because they shut down the course after our year. Oh, so right. wow. it doesn't actually exist anymore. Oh, okay. Well, you like, it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <We're done. laughs> Is there anyone else of note that came out of the course that you know of? Yeah, well, you know, actually, um, I mean, there must have been about 25 of us on the course. And afterwards, a lot of us went into um, TV shows that were being made up in, at Ardmore. You know, we all went okay. into the Tudors and yeah, people yeah. went into like sound design and editing and camera operation and all kinds of things that nobody had really considered right. before. You know, I remember I remember on our first very first day of that course, the, the course leader said, um, OK, who here wants to be a... Uh, director and everybody put their hand up you know and he said well you know you might think that now but I can guarantee by the end of the year um you'll each have found your own niche within filmmaking and I thought yeah right (laughs) (laughs) no way everybody's still gonna want to be a director but actually yeah that's exactly what happened because I think like that like filmmaking is such a huge um and varied world to work in and there's so many different roles and they're really interesting roles once you get once you start learning about them um yeah. And what about now? Do you ever think, does that ever pop into your head where you think you might like to direct a film? No. No, no. never. God, no. Um, when, I, when, I mean, when I was studying on that course, one of the things I learned very quickly was that um, I really didn't like directing actors, right. which is what directing is, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I was just confused about what I wanted to do. I mean, what I love to do is design. 
um, and art and I love like directing in a creative visually creative way you know but you do that within your own work you know you're constantly art directing your own graphic design and stuff was there graphic design involved in the course that you did where did they make you aware in the course that that was part of filmmaking um a little bit they certainly made us aware of production design which is the design of the film as a whole which i hadn't considered before either strange you know because like for someone who like apparently loved films so much i was very green about what was involved in the making of them you know i had never really considered that Design would be such a huge part yeah. of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, so uh, they brought in production designers to do workshops with us, and we learned about set design and props and stuff. And, yeah, we would have done a little bit of graphics, like, I don't know, there was a private detective's office that we had to create, and we put lettering on the door yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, but it wasn't really until I started work on The Tudors, which was a TV show that was made here in Ireland for four years very successfully yeah. um, I started work on that show and as a full time graphic designer and that's when I realised how much work yeah, yeah. exactly there that would be that it's a real do. job yeah that's what I needs to do did yeah. you learn calligraphy for that or did you know um, well so with calligraphy and stuff so you know because it's set in like um, you know the 16th, 15th 16th century yeah. um, the graphic design of that time would have been stuff like calligraphy yeah. rather than actual uh, graphic design as we know it now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, that's so, Comic Sans. Yeah. I think that's the one we're supposed to not like. Oh, is um, it? <laughs> although I, I actually quite like Comic Sans. I think it's like I think it's oh, great. Really? Well, it's great for comics. You know? so that was what it was designed for initially. <laughs> so the guy nailed that aspect of it, <laughs> and then people went on to write obituaries in Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah, that's that was the problem. Lost its way. <laughs> <laughs> it's humans that are the problem, not the designers. I feel like we got an exclusive there. Annie Atkins loves comics. <laughs> Put it on the front page. That could be a career ender right there. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, I see a lot of places where people said say Comic Sans shouldn't have been used here, but I also see a lot of places where actually Comic Sans would have been a much better choice of font. Right. You know, if it was pink and brighter. Yeah, yeah like friendly warnings. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, please mind your head. I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so there was no Comic Sans in the Tudors, but there was a lot of calligraphy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, I work with calligraphers here in Dublin. Mm. Um, there's a couple of calligraphers that I've worked with a lot. And they come in and they write pages of calligraphy for us, and then we scan it and cut it up and copy it and reproduce it for all different props. But what they also do, which is quite interesting, is they are also hand doubles, because okay. a lot yeah. of the time actors can't, yeah. can't do period handwriting. Yeah. Um, like using a quill and ink is actually really, really tricky. Right. It's tricky anyway, but it's even trickier when you have to imitate like the black letter calligraphy of the 15th century. You know, right. it's like I mean I can barely do it. You're not going to expect like um, you can't reproduce a craft of built over years and years yeah. in an overnight, basically. Yeah, it's easy. It's actually easier for them to ride a horse, you know, <laughs> or do do their own sex scenes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, Gareth, one of the calligraphers I work with a lot, he's also a hand double, and um, luckily he has quite versatile-looking hands, so he's, <laughs> so he's actually stood in for quite a few actors here in, in Ireland over the it's years. Jonathan Rees-Meyers' hands, is he? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think so. I wonder about that. Sometimes, you know, you see people drawing or whatever, or playing the piano in yeah. films, and you want to know if it's them or not. Yeah. Sometimes they do really well, where it really looks like they're playing, and you can see the face and the hands at the same time. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I like, for example, um, Michael Douglas in Behind the Candelabra. Looks like he's playing the piano. Yeah. I don't, is it him? You'd like know. to think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like you can be really clever with editing, and it just yeah. is mm. such a trick. They can do some stuff, can't they? Yeah. I saw robots in films and everything, so they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My sister always tells me she's a massive fan of Titanic, so think of that what you will. But um, apparently, James Cameron drew the the picture, the Kate Winslet naked picture. That's apparently his hands. So I don't know if that's really? true, but it's kind of interesting if it is James Cameron. Yeah. I didn't know that either, but I would like to it read about that. It might not be that. true. It might not be true. Just my sister told me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's even worse than Wikipedia. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that out, actually. That would be interesting. Mm. Yeah, and then you can let us know if it's not true. Okay. <laughs> An interesting scene to create for yourself to do. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So you have to get a, we have to draw everybody naked. <laughs> I can draw. <laughs> Leo, you're next. <laughs> Um, and so uh, on the tutors, there's um, a lot of what's it called, where you, you you put the wax on the you know the back of an envelope and you put the thing in the mm-hmm. wax. A wax seal. Wax seal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Did you yeah. get to do that? As well? Lots of hot wax. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a little machine, actually a melting pot. Okay. Um, because we had to do so many repeats, you know, you have to make like twenty copies of everything. Right. Um, so we had a little production line going. Yeah. Everything was sealed with wax and tied up with a bit of string or leather or something. Yeah, yeah. I love wax seals. I wish they were still around. Yeah, <laughs> they're so cool. They had a gravitas to. They did, yeah. yeah. It was nice. <laughs> I think they could make a comeback in email form. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, when it comes to making the props and you're trying to reproduce, so that you you were talking yesterday about continuity mm. in your movies. Is that yeah. mind-numbing, trying to get everything to be? It's so funny because, like, why why is continuity so fascinating? After the film's been made, it's so boring while you're working on a film. Like yeah. it's it's the most tedious part of the job. Um, I think it's just that like it's one of those things that when somebody in the audience spots that the continuity is off, mm. they're jolted out of the story, right? Yeah. And they're like, "Wait, yeah, this yeah. is all a trick." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do they mean to say that none of this actually happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like continuity for graphics um, tends to be about um, making duplicate copies of everything. So we always make like six or 12 copies of a graphic in case it gets destroyed on set. Mm-hmm. And um, in that case, they all have to be completely identical, which is easy enough if you're printing something, you know, you mm. just print six copies. Yeah. But if it's something more complicated like um, if it's going to have blood poured over it or ripped up a certain way, then you have to do that exactly the same way, 6, 12, 30, 40 times, however many times you have to make the thing, yeah. Yeah, imagine that um, there's one particular document in the Grand Budapest Hotel with it's all sellotape back together and there's a blood splatter on the, on the bottom of it. Yeah. That must have been, was that the same? Was that that's, the, that's the one I'm thinking of, right. yeah. It's an old telegram. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, it's actually the makeup department's job to put the blood on. Okay. Yeah, even though it's a graphic, they take care of the blood. Right. That's nice of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you sick of talking about the Grand Budapest Hotel? Are you still happy to talk about it? No, I, I'm actually not. I mean, I love it so much. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, it was such a special film to work on. I can imagine. And there's also so much in it, graphic-wise. Yeah. So it's not like I'm always talking about the same props over right. and over again. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's always something new to talk about. Um, Unless we keep bringing up the same one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the telegram with the blood on it again? <laughs> Would you mind? <laughs> Is it real sellotape or what? Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I'm a, a massive Wes Anderson fan. Okay. Uh, I wrote my thesis on, on Wes Anderson movies. Oh, did you? Yeah. So when was that? <laughs> when was that? Uh, 2008. Okay, so it was before Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, before even Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. And actually, I think maybe Darjeeling Limited might have come out around then, so I don't know if that even made it into the thesis. Okay. So it was like mostly Life Aquatic, Royal Tenenbaums, okay. Rushmore. And um, what did you say? Uh, the title was, Is Wes Anderson an Auteur? Ah, Okay. Yes, was the answer. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you're supposed to answer it in the season. <laughs> Just one word. Um, <laughs> it was basically, of course he is. Look at his films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. Uh, it was basically because I had nothing else to write about and I loved him and mm. loved his films. So it was like a reason to watch them over and over again and try and, you know, pick out little details. And mm. there's so much in them. You can just mm. keep watching them over and over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think absolutely he's an auteur. I yeah. mean... In every every part of his filmmaking, yeah. it's all his art, you know. Um, you know, I mean, like, we worked very, very closely on graphics, um, and he was very, very detailed about stuff. And he has a reputation for being very meticulous, which is true, of course. Like, he's very meticulous. It's quite, yeah, it's obvious. Yeah. But he's also, like, incredibly experimental. It's, like, it's not like he goes into any prop or graphic with a fixed idea you know he's got a fascination with this stuff and he loves to look at real references from the past you know we'd pour over all kinds of real old documents um and then like take it from there you know and he would lead things in this weird and wonderful directions uh it was a like it was a real absolute um thrill to work with him i can imagine it was yeah is there times when you have to rein him in a bit does it go a bit uh, no, I don't think I don't think I did any raining in. No, no, no. I assume on set he's like, is it like he's like the god walking around and it's like you have to talk to somebody else before you talk to Wes, or is it like is he kind of approachable? No, and... he's really he's really nice. Yeah. He's really nice. I mean, he's so fascinated by all this stuff. He's so excited by it all. Um, he's very um, he's very very hands on. He's right there with everybody all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, also, we were all living in this small town together. You know, it was this tiny town called Görlitz, which is on the German-Poland border. Um, and all the cast and crew went over there with him for the whole winter. And we were all staying in a hotel. Um, and it was very much kind of feeling of everybody together, you know. Like, the actors didn't even have trailers, you oh, know. Right. They were all just, like, palling around a together. community cool. Yeah. Did you know yeah. from the get-go that that was going to be the scenario where you're going to be over in Görlitz? Uh, no, at first I thought we were going to Berlin, so I went to Berlin and got set up there. And that was a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all did. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we were all there set up. And then, you know, it was being talked about about who would go to Gurlitz and who wouldn't go to Gurlitz. So obviously the shooting crew were going to go. And then maybe some of the art department and most of us would stay in Berlin. And then one day I got to work and it was like, we're all going. And it was like, what, me too? Uh-huh. Everybody. Like the whole production moved there. That must have been a nice bit of news, though. Yeah, I was thrilled. I really <laughs> yeah. wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of... Um, you see a lot of pictures of Bill Murray just walking around this small snowy town talking to locals and doing <laughs> Bill Murray stuff. I know, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. I think everybody got a really great Bill Murray story except for me somehow. You got nothing? No. no I got... I assume you talk to him and stuff. Um, yeah, like I bumped into him in the kitchen one day, but like nothing happened, you know, I was making a cup of tea, uh, he reached for the sugar, yeah. <laughs> that was it. You should have made something, you should have spilled the sugar or something, you should have made something happen. Yeah, or I could just completely make something up and I'm sure he would be totally fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> 
But is is the legend true? You know, all the Bill Murray stories are they? Do you think they're true, or from having been on set with them? I'd say so. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's the wild card. We got to get Bill Murray on the podcast. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I love the 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 one where he walks up to somebody and says no one will, or he takes a chip isn't it somebody's eating chips and he takes a chip and says no one will ever believe this that's happened that's right yeah <laughs> I, I hope it's true so much yeah I think he does do that oh what yeah. a legend well while we <laughs> <Daily>. were in <laughs> while we were in Girl it's actually it started being reported in the papers that he had been um, involved in a bank robbery in Japan not I mean not like robbing the bank <laughs> but like he'd been in a Again, bank would you I be think. surprised would you <laughs> Or had he caught the bank robber or something? I can't remember. But I remember thinking, oh, if I if I bump into him now, I'll ask him about that. But then I didn't. I was too right. shy, actually. Yeah. The truth is, like, I'm not very good around actors. Right. You know, I feel very like they're so they're like they're like otherworldly beings or mm-hmm. something. You know. Um, yeah. Like one one night. Um, in one of the bars in Gurlitz, you know, it's all snowy and all the crew are wearing big feather puffer jackets and stuff and I walked into this bar and I saw two crew members down by the fire I thought oh camera guys or something so I went down plunked myself down next to them and they looked at me and it was like Jude Law and Ray Fiennes (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh hi guys (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they're really lovely of course and they were just like yeah have a have a drink with us but um I just freeze up or something I don't Mm. know is it starstruck is that what it is yeah I'm a little bit of an introvert, I suppose. Um, I wouldn't have been going out to the parties or anything. I would have been at home right. with my font collection, <laughs> with my <laughs> comic sans, trying to bring it back. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Let it go. <laughs> Nobody likes it. <laughs> uh, I suppose in many ways, you know a lot about them before they know anything about you. So you're walking up with a bit of information on them. In mm. a way, it's mm. kind of voyeuristic. Oh, I know you were in that movie. <laughs> yeah. It is weird when somebody's when you meet somebody really famous and their face is so familiar, and yours isn't—they don't know who you are at all. Like, but their face is like almost like you own a bit of it because you have it on a DVD at home or <laughs> in a magazine or something. It's weird. I think that's weird. I think it's They're already strange. part of your life. Yeah, for you. Yeah. It's like, you know, you owe something to me. <laughs> yeah. But not. Yeah. But that's the problem. They don't. But they're in a movie you love, and you have an emotional connection to them. Yeah. They don't know that you exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting really deep and sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I was wondering how it compares when you start working with Wes Anderson, who's known to be meticulous and work on every single detail to the nth degree, compared to working with whoever directed the Tudors, who I probably should have researched. But would you let, when you start with Wes, you know it's going to be like he's going to get in deep. Mm. Would you let, are you, is it strange letting him in that far into your graphic design process or? Well, the big difference between film and TV is that TV is directed by multiple directors. So we have a different director for every three or four episodes or something. Um, So the art department is given much more control over continuity and keeping things in a certain style. And the director is brought in, commissioned, you know, to direct the actors. Whereas with Wes, of course, like this is all his own art. It's it's a completely different setup. Yeah. and yes, I was absolutely prepared to work like that. Okay. Um, and it was actually, it was exciting to work like that. Because, you know, he was leading the graphics in directions that I would never have taken them, you know. Um, especially coming from a background um, which is quite, you know, I, I do a lot of period drama and it's always been quite realistic. 
you know, everything I've done has been like historical drama. Um, so to be able to suddenly come onto a production like Grand Budapest Hotel, where you are working to the period all the time, but you're being led in this like fantastic direction mm. by Wes Anderson, mm. Mm. that was really exciting. And there's actually lots of there's actually a lot of different periods in it, isn't there? Because it goes through the history of the hotel. Yeah, that's uh, right. I think we start in the um, kind of contemporary times, like yeah, yeah, maybe nineties or something, um, with the girl in the graveyard. Yeah, and then we go back to the sixties. I can't remember the order, but yeah, there's like the sixties and seventies, where it starts kind of going yeah. downhill. The hotel itself. I think it's kind of contemporary, and then 80s, and then 60s, and then 30s. Oh, it keeps going backwards. Yeah, yeah. And my favourite, of course, is the 30s. That's when it was all, like, beautiful and pink and yeah, purple yeah, yeah. and red and gold. Yeah, like. yeah, And that was most of it, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was most like of it. the vast majority. Um, and do you, do you have a favourite object from it? Mm. Obviously, every, a lot of people talk about the Mendel's boxes. Yeah, I do uh, love the Mendel's boxes. Yeah. yeah. Can you um, spell patisserie or? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you went there last night. I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's got spies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, someone said that to me uh, last week. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, a big fan of yours, another graphic designer. And I was told that uh, that uh, there was a spelling mistake. And I, I wasn't necessarily sure if I should believe that. It could have been one of those urban legend type things. But uh, and then you said it. No, so it's, true. it's true. It's <laughs> true. It's true, but you know, it's not in the film because we edited yeah. it out in post. Right. Um, unfortunately, we had a big zoom shot on it yeah. in the prison scene, and zoom shots are very difficult to edit in post because you have to edit every frame. You know. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah. So um, whatever, however many that is, I don't know. What do we shoot at? 20, 24, 24 yeah, frames yeah. a second. Yeah, um, it takes a long time to. Yeah. Frame by frame animation. It wasn't my finest moment. <laughs> Do you remember the emotions? <laughs> You're saying Wes rang you. Um, I think he emailed me. He was uh, really nice about it, actually. Um, you know, he just wanted to, to fix it, and we fixed it, and we we made a load more boxes as well. It's just funny because like those boxes have become such a keepsake from the film, mm. and you know they've they're such they're so characterful and they feel so of the movie. People have started selling them on eBay and Etsy, but they're you know, they're fake boxes, you know, people are remaking it themselves. And I know they're fake as soon as I see them because, like, they're the wrong colour or they're not the right shape or something. You know, it's obvious to me. Mm. But what might be more obvious to other people is that, you know, you only know you've got a real one of those two T's in patisserie. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> it's exactly what you don't want to go wrong. but uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it's a nice story when it does go wrong. Yeah. Uh, but did you feel like... Like, obviously, everything was fine afterwards, but at the, in that moment, did you feel like you, you, you let... Like, was it disappointment, or was it anger, or...? Oh, I was mortified. Right. Yeah, I mean, especially, like... I think spelling and grammar and words and language are, like, a really integral part of graphic design. I don't mm. think you should be working in graphic design if you're going to be sloppy about that stuff, Okay. I know that we all make mistakes and some people are like uh, maybe di dyslexic or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's 2015, <laughs> uh, 14, 15. <laughs> um, um, you know, we have spell checks. Um, mm. And you can if, if you can't check your work yourself, you can always run it by somebody else. And for a word like patisserie, which is a foreign word, 
you know that's the kind of words you you triple check it mm. you know yeah. Yeah. so i was mortified right. um especially because i bang on and on about this stuff to yeah. junior <laughs> designers all the time you know but that's a big lesson to learn i suppose it's like one of those things where you have to kind of do it i suppose to to properly learn like you always had yeah. the idea in your head but maybe it didn't happen so badly that now you know you know, yeah i know double triple check things actually the guy the production designer who um gave me my first job on the tudors he was there at the talk last night and when i came out i was talking to him and he said he ta- started telling me the story about this huge spelling mistake he'd made on a set once you know i don't remember the words but he said he was absolutely mortified as well i think it happens to everybody in film somewhere along the way yeah yeah it's bound to it's too many opportunities yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grammar fan myself. I'm a writer, so it's like, you know, mm. you kind of notice it. And you see people, like, on the front of shops or different things, they make these massive banners and they just don't put in an apostrophe or something. Mm. Like, that's so much money. What are you doing? Mm. <laughs> Check your apostrophes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of annoying to walk. And if you walk, if you, um, I don't know if you've ever read um, Eats, Shoots, Eats, Shoots and Leaves. Yes, I have. And yeah. she's obviously, you know, a bit fanatical about her yeah. apostrophes and commas and things. Um, but it's 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 a very interesting read, and I think everybody should read it and um, and just look out for apostrophes. Yeah, and the extra T in patisserie. That's right. Yeah, yeah I loved that book actually. I remember great, I read that it? a few years ago. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've different um, editors and stuff on the site, and uh, I've given a few of them now that book to <laughs> just really learn how to <laughs> enforce the. Yeah. So I also love the box trolls. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Is. That was, so that's animation. Is that an entirely different Yeah. That was process? my first and only animation that I've worked on so far. And I was actually working on that before the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. But because animation takes so long, it came out long after mm. the Grand Budapest did. Um, so I was actually working on that maybe three years ago now. Okay. Well. And I was doing it from Dublin as well, whereas they were all in the studio in portland right Leica. um yeah. they make beautiful beautiful amazing animated films yeah they did uh, Coraline. Coraline and paranorman yeah yeah yeah. They're good, yeah yeah i think they're doing something really interesting with stop motion mm. i love stop motion mm. like i really love like those worlds that they're creating these miniature worlds they just feel so much more tactile and like yeah. I don't know, you can see the dirt or something yeah yeah there's yeah. a sense of craft and authenticity to yeah. it when you go to see it yeah. Yeah. yeah it has its flaws but they're kind of charming yeah almost. absolutely yeah it's interesting that you know Wes is obviously mainly a live action director um but my favorite stop motion film is fantastic mr fox mm. i was actually extremely disappointed when that didn't win the oscar for best animation yeah i know up is really good but i just thought that <laughs> yeah. i thought fantastic mr fox deserved it i thought it was great yeah i did as well yeah i remember i, I heard something about the um or an interview with the the animators. I think they were in France, maybe? Yes, I think so, in Paris. And I remember them kind of talking about um, the the detail they went into, you know, to make every hair on, mm. on, on the animals move and mm. how painstaking it was mm. to make it and how long it would take to make, you know, one minute piece of animation and then Wes would come in on Skype and just be like... The hair, needs, the hair needs to move more. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, you don't know how long this took. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it was actually the production designer of Fantastic Mr. Fox, Nelson Lowry, right. who I was started working with on the box trolls. Okay. And it was he that put me in touch with Wes for the okay. job. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I heard also it was uh, Jessica Hish did the book covers on Moonrise Kingdom and stuff, was it? The credits and all. 
I think she did the credits, yeah. The, the, credits, the right. um, She designed a typeface right. for the film, and I think they used it on the credits, and they used it on the poster, right. and the DVD cover and everything, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything is always beautiful <laughs> in the films. Yeah. But, again, this might not be true, but I heard that she said it was an amazing experience to work with Wes Anderson and everything, but she wasn't necessarily convinced that she would do it again because of the amount of times she had to redo it. Um, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I hope she's not listening. She did say she had to redo the typeface 26 times. 26 times? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> um, we were making things like, I don't know, yeah, 20 or 30 times would just be a normal right. amount of redraws on, on our graphic prop. Um, the newspapers, I think we went over 40 different versions Whoa. of the Transalpine Yodel. Um, but, you know, that's just how he works. You know, that's how yeah. he designs... Um, you know, he, he that's what I meant earlier, I think, when I said that he's so experimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, like, pushing it that much is what makes the film what it is in the end. Yeah. That's, that's like, one of my favourite writers, Ernest Hemingway, said that all the time. He's like, he did so many drafts of everything. His famous quote is, the first draft of everything is shit, which is beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. But when you do 40 drafts, say, of the newspaper or something like that, do you ever look back at the first one and think, what was I thinking? Or yeah, 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 absolutely. It doesn't look half as good or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I remember the first one I did being quite good. Right, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then when I was putting my slides together for the, for the presentation last night, I thought, oh, maybe I should show some early mm. early examples of versions. And I looked up the very first version of the Transalpan Yodel and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. I can't believe he hired me. <laughs> because actually the Yodel was one of the test pieces I did for him. So oh, after okay. they called me up, they said, would you take three pieces from the script and do mock-ups of them? Cool. Um, and I didn't know at the time that they were also asking another couple of people to do the same. Um, so I did a, an, an early version of the Transalpan Yodel. And so you kind of auditioning, anyway. Huh? You were kind of auditioning. Yes, except I didn't know. I don't know what I thought, that like I was the only person they had asked. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was so gobsmacked that they contacted me at all, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did three pieces. I did the newspaper, I did the book, um, and another thing that I can't remember now. Um, and I sent them off, and then I think about a week later they got back to me and said will you come to Germany, um, which wow. is great. Mm. But yeah, I, I, just, I couldn't even show that thing last night, honestly. <laughs> wow. um, and, it, you know, it was Wes that pushed it in the direction that it went yeah. in. Yeah, mm. it's amazing how you do a version that you feel pretty happy with in any graphic design project and the client comes back and pushes you a bit further yeah. and you're like, stupid client. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it does get better as you refine yeah. and so yeah. 40 iterations in, you're probably going to be, yeah, the first one is going to be a long way off with yeah. the yeah. final and you come up with new rationales for things that you build into your story. So you'd see the first one. I didn't even think about this. Mm. I just sort of did it. And then by the end, you're really proud of the end result, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And also you think it's all your own doing as well. Look, yeah. I made all this. <laughs> oh, actually, there was input from other people. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's the, it's the same when writing a story or something. Whenever I'm finished, I'm like, there is a story. It's finished and it's great. And now I can do whatever with that. <laughs> but that's when I think about the, the Hemingway quote uh, the first draft of learning is shit and then you put it in a drawer for three weeks or whatever and then you come back and you go oh there's a lot wrong with this mm. <laughs> you know but yeah. yeah it's that's I think that's the same with anything creative you just yeah. kind of got to do it and do it I mean there's you know being creative there's there is a certain kind of a spark to it I think you know you get an idea and you put it down and you're delighted with yourself and that's a great feeling 
but there's also a lot of churning and hard work and you yeah. know, just redoing things. Yeah, lot. absolutely. And I think when I look back at Grand Budapest now, I have rose-tinted glasses because I think of this like wonderful idyllic time, you know. Mm-hmm. But the reality is like it was really hard work. It was nose to the grindstone. Uh, yeah, but so worth it. If he called you up, would you work with him again? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll um. let him know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then the next project, you're, you're always working then on um, Penny Dreadful. Or you're not, not by, by always, I mean, since then you've been working on Penny Dreadful. No, no? I did the first season of Penny Dreadful, oh, right. which would have been last year. Oh, right. Um, and then this year, um, this year they're not, they're now filming their second season now, but I'm not doing it this year. Okay. Um, I went to, I went back to Germany actually, and I did, uh, Spielberg's new film. Oh yeah. Okay. Which is, uh, Cold War. That's right. Yeah. Cold War spy thriller. It just got its name yesterday actually. So it's Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies. And it's a true story with Tom Hanks. Oh, cool. Um, so because it was a true story and a Spielberg movie, it was a very, very different way of working, you know, because mm. we were creating completely realistic right. 50s and 60s Berlin and New York, you know, so it was a completely different challenge. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a spy thriller is the perfect graphic design opportunity. You get to play with so many unusual, like, devices and top-secret logos and yeah. stamps. Yeah, <laughs> I got some confidential stamps made up, all right. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there those uh, yellow or manila-coloured uh, envelopes with CIA top-secret or confidential written on the front? CIA logos, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, um, um, I had to get some, like, CIA embossing dies made for some of the documents I was making for it. And I got them made here in Dublin by a company um, out in Fibsborough. And um, they called me up and they were like, you do realize we're not actually authorized to make official American <laughs> CIA logos. Um, so you have to prove that they're only ever going to be used for a movie. Don't worry, it's for Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just do it anyway. <laughs> It'll be great in your portfolio. <laughs> so I assume Spielberg works extremely differently to Wes Anderson. Um, um, well... The biggest difference for me was that I wasn't working directly with him. Right. So I was working with Adam Stockhausen, who is the okay. production designer on Grand Budapest, yeah. and he was also designing the Spielberg movie. Okay. And on the Spielberg movie, I was working... Um, Adam was working directly with Spielberg and then uh, translating back to me. Um, and also we did a lot of location work rather than set builds, so they were out and about all over New York and Berlin, and we were in an art department. So we were less close to the action, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And did, did you meet him then, or were you working with him at all, like, or? No, no, no. no. He's such a, to me anyway, he's such a different filmmaker. He's obviously, you know, he's obviously fairly good at what he does. <laughs> Successful man. <laughs> he's done some stuff. He's doing okay. He's doing all right. Um, but I don't know. It's like a completely different. It almost seems like obviously it's generally a different genre, but it just seems like a different art almost. Just Spielberg, you know, big, you know, what are they, blockbusters? And then Wes is like, almost art film, like art house blockbusters in a way. They, You know, they're very popular as well, but it just seems like an entirely different thing. Yeah, I think it's the realism that was the most different, right. biggest difference for me. Um, you know, 
We were very much making graphics that blended into the backgrounds to create the space for the actors to work in. Mm. You know, the graphics weren't actually telling the story. Mm. I mean, some of them were, you know, like newspaper headlines and um, mm. that kind of thing. But a lot of it was like we were making neon signage to kind of set atmosphere in the background. Um, but these things wouldn't necessarily have been hero props or in, in full screen close-up. A hero prop is a full screen... Well, yeah, we call it a hero if it's like if it's got a character of its own somehow. Like the okay. Mendel's boxes would have okay. been hero props. Okay. Or also if it's something that's shown in close up, or something that tells the story, or has its own kind of plot point or something. Mm. Basically, something you're going to have to pay a lot of attention to. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, because I was wondering about that when you got the call from the the Wes Anderson producers or whoever it is. How does that work actually? Do you? You just got a call? Do you send in a CV? How does this... <laughs> I just got a call one day. Nelson, um, the production designer from Fast Fantastic Mr. Fox, sent me a really strange email one morning that just said, something wicked your way comes. And I thought, <laughs> what does he mean? <laughs> Lock yourself in your house and wait. <laughs> Is he going to kill me? <laughs> um... I, I really I didn't know what he meant, and I said to my, my flatmate, like, I don't know what this means. She's like, oh, I don't know. And then that afternoon I was at work, just drawing away in my studio, and my phone rang, and it said New York on my iPhone screen. Like, I'd, I've never had a phone call from New York just before, so I was like, what? <laughs> New York is calling me? <laughs> this is so weird. Um, and I answered it, and it was Molly, uh, one of Wes's producers, um, and she introduced herself, and... Um, briefly introduced the project and um, said that they'd been looking at some of my work online. And two things. Would I be um, willing to move to Germany to work? And also, um, could I send them some more examples of like period things, like uh, telegrams and newspapers and stuff? Um, she was kind of vague about what the project was. She said it was uh, set in the Alps uh, between the wars. Um yeah, it's flawed, really. Um, <laughs> so I, I send them quite a few bits and pieces, you know, because I'd done a lot of stuff from that period. Well, not quite that period, like not quite 1930s. A little bit earlier, I'd done a show about the Titanic, okay. um, about the building of the Titanic in Belfast. So I had a lot of telegrams. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of vin vintage newspapers. I had a lot of, like, antique cigarette packaging and stuff. Um, and it was all very realistic stuff. Um, and, yeah, and I mean, they hired me. It's funny, though, you know, because I remember when I started the job about the Titanic, which would have been, like, years ago now, I don't know, 2009 or something. Um, I was quite excited about it because to make something, make graphics for Edwardian Belfast, to me, was very exciting because it was such an exciting time in history, like, mm. suffragettes and all the huge change that was going on. And also, like, they had the printing press, you know. The stuff I'd done before for the Tudors, it was kind of just at the beginning of the printing press, you know. So I was really looking forward to making things like um, telegrams and stuff where you could do actual layout design, you know. Um, so I was really thrilled about that job. And I remember everybody being, like, really lukewarm about it. Like, oh, God, what? <laughs> Another show about the Titanic? Who cares? You know? <laughs> um, I care. <laughs> Um, but you never know where something is going to lead. Mm. You know, if I hadn't have done that show, I probably wouldn't have done Grand Budapest because I wouldn't have had a portfolio of pieces yeah. that Wes was interested in, you know. Mm. I mean, he didn't care that it was a show about the Titanic. All he cares about is that somebody is capable of imitating something from a certain time. You yeah. Know? So then when you got the call, did 
did you go back and watch all the Wes Anderson films and note how many close-ups there was of documents and <laughs> books? And <laughs> um, I actually became a bit frozen. Um, I'd already seen all his movies, of course, and loved them. Um, What's your favourite? But I became a little bit frozen. I'd say Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just love stop motion so much. Right. And I love, yeah, the design and everything in that. Um, but yeah, I was very, very aware that like this would be a job that was going to have an awful lot of hero graphics in it, mm-hmm. which was thrilling, but also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are going to judge me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. You're putting yourself right in front of the camera there. Yeah. 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 And also, you know, um, it was kind of nerve wracking as well because, um, everybody who was going over to Germany to work on this it was either local German crew that were being hired or it was the American HODs, like head of departments, you know, and I was really the... They, they all kind of knew each other, you know, and I was the only person who was, like, coming from Ireland. Mm. Except Sir Sharonan, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember the day, because I didn't know she was going to be in the film, until one day when I was at work, I just heard this lovely Irish accent kind of <laughs> wafting down the corridor all of a sudden. I was like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> I was running out. Um, we could know. be friends. Yeah. <laughs> Except we can't because you're a celebrity and I'm an introvert and I'm shy around you. <laughs> is she Minor like, points. <laughs> is she like a big celebrity now? Does she, is she starting to kind of fit the, fit the bill? No, do you know what? She's so down to earth. Yeah. Actually, we did have a lovely chat. I I didn't feel that shy around her. Um, yeah, we were having a good old chat about like Hoth and um, our favourite restaurant in Hoth, Octopussies. And <laughs> I felt a bit homesick all of a sudden. <laughs> um, and so another thing that I wanted to ask about was uh, maybe one last thing about Wes Anderson. Um, he's obviously very uh, meticulous about his filmmaking and pedantic. Is that fair? Um, um, I don't think that is fair. Okay, so just meticulous. Yeah. Okay. Because he's also so experimental. Yeah, you know? that's fair. Yeah, that's, yeah like he's sense. really open to stuff. Right. Um, I think that's how that's how he gets okay. the the beauty that he does. Does that uh, translate into his life? Is he the same with everything, or is it just filmmaking? Oh, I don't know. Don't I've know. got no idea. Right. I mean, I don't know him personally at all. Right. Like right. everything we've ever. You never shared a meal and watched him separate all his food on his plate. <laughs> <laughs> Do no. something like that. No. no. Tries it forty six times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to get the exact amount of sugar into his tea or something. <laughs> That's a, you know, because some people can be so you know absolutely like meticulous and and definite about what they do, their craft, and then can be like sloppy in the rest of their life. You know, mm. they they don't have to go hand in hand necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I know. I f- I mean, personally, I feel much better about sitting down for a day's work if everything around me is in order. Yeah. Um. How do you how do you operate? Um. I start very much in order mm. uh, and I like to have everything where I want it and neat and ready. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm working on something a lot, by the end of the week, it's just a mess mm-hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. you're in the zone, you're kind of moving things mm-hmm. around and things are on top of each other. You know exactly where everything is, but if somebody else was to look at it, it's like, well, how, do you, how do you work like this? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Okay, uh, so you're messy then. <laughs> but I always start really tidy. I think you start clean because that's the most efficient way and as, the, yeah. as it develops, yeah, you yeah. know that that piece of paper is there if you need it. So <laughs> yeah, it's semi-efficient yeah. and then at the end you can just pack yeah. it all up. And yeah. 
yeah. lose focus. But you, you kind of tidy as you go. You keep it neat. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If it gets to a stage where it's getting even a tiny bit messy, I know I'm losing the run of myself. Okay. Right. And that's when I have to readjust and also like get up and go for a walk or something or, you know, even just like get some exercise or eat like a healthy meal because right. I know that I'm letting everything in my life. Okay. Step. That's interesting. So it's all yeah. connected. Yeah, I, I mean, I probably actually work too much. Um, and one of the things I want to do this year is work less. Okay, it's always a nice thing to do. Do you yeah. work specific hours or do you find yourself up um, late all night? I work specific hours, yeah. So I try to stick to eight to seven, um, which is normal film hours. I mean, at the moment I'm freelancing uh, from my office in Dublin. Um, but yeah, eight in the morning till seven in the evening. Um, and then a lot of the times at the weekends I end up working as well. But my goal this year is to start doing nine to fives. Okay. Yeah. Do I'm really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think so. Yeah. I just have to be a bit more organized about stuff and I have to get better at turning down work and right. not taking too much on. Right. Okay. What kind of work will you turn down first? Like is your main focus feature films or? Um, no, at the moment, actually, I'm, um, I'm doing a PlayStation game. So oh, right. it's my first, yeah. um, it's my first video game work at all. But it's, I mean, the principles are kind of similar to filmmaking. Mm. You know, I'm still making the yeah, prop, yeah. graphic props and graphic set pieces. So it's more like, it's probably more like animation and more like the box shows. And although I haven't really seen a computer game in a while now, I'm kind of out of the loop, but they got pretty realistic, didn't they? Yeah, I'm doing everything pretty realistically. Right. Yeah. What are they up to now on the PlayStation? Four, five, <laughs> 17? What are they? Four. Four, is it? <laughs> um, I kind of fell off the rate of the PlayStation, like after two. I don't think I ever played a three. Yeah, I haven't actually played a video game since Sonic the Hedgehog. So I actually uh, played Sonic the Hedgehog over Christmas. Did you <laughs> yeah. on a Sega Mega Drive? Oh my god, yeah! It was. <laughs> it was a How did you get this job? <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't say another word about this. Okay, okay. Um, I'm sorry. It's it's actually an, an announced game. Um, oh, okay, it's Grand Theft so Auto Six. <laughs> I've already said too much. <laughs> really, this feels exclusive. Another exclusive. <laughs> is it um, is it Mortal Kombat? <laughs> But uh, in terms of where you want to go next, is feature film something you'd like to focus on? Or um, does that work better for 9 to 5 if you're working freelance? I think, like, if I was going to do another film job or, um, yeah, I would look forward to something animated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's, a re- it's a really lovely way to work. And it's much slower than film. Um, yeah, it's much slower than live action, you know, so you get that little bit more time to right. concentrate on the details, and I love the details. Mm. And obviously you love stop motion, but if mm. Pixar came calling, would you like that? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have to make a really tough decision between two jobs that are happening at the same time? Yeah, yeah, it happens quite a lot, you know. Um, a lot of the time getting hired on something is purely to do with availability, so, mm. you know, two projects run at the same time and you're already tied up on one so you, yeah. and you and you can't leave it you can't just leave a project to go on to another project you know that's the that would be making a big mistake sorry pixar called yeah. Yeah. Anything now. <laughs> yeah. you make a commitment you know yeah. you sign that's a contract it. and that's it yeah yeah um you also did a, a music video fairly recently uh, yeah we cut corners that's right that was animation yeah yeah i yeah. love we cut corners and great, aren't yeah they? the yeah. song that i did the video for actually um is one of my favorite songs off their album yeah um yeah, um, it was fun. I mean, I I know I said at the beginning of this that I hate directing and I never want to direct, but um, I think because it was animation, it was different. Oh, you so know? you directed that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so I did a photo shoot with them. 
and um, I took lots of pictures um, with my friend Julianne um, of them and also of a dog. Yeah, the dog singing, singing yeah. or whatever they're doing. The, do- the dogs are like singing, yeah. the dogs are playing guitars, yeah. dogs just like pretending to be humans, um, <laughs> humans pretending to be dogs. Sometimes they have dog heads. Um, <clears throat> it looks better than I'm making it sound. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. Thanks. Um, But the interesting thing about it for me was that when I first met the guys, we were chatting and stuff, and it turned out that they're both school teachers, Mm. and that's how they met. Yeah, the primary school teachers. Yeah, Yeah. and I was fascinated by this. (laughs) I was like, "What? (laughs) You're both school teachers. (laughs) You teach in schools, and you're both in a band. Like, God, your pupils must be so impressed by this." Yeah, they were kind of like, "It's not something we ever really talk about." And I was like, I think I really want to like use this in the video somehow. Um, so the video is set in the classroom. But instead of having any children in it, it's like the pupils are the dogs instead. Yeah. And they love their teachers so much that they copy them. You know, they also, The dogs also want to be in a band, basically. Right, okay. I wonder if anyone read into that in a really terrible way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe people should start thinking about that now. <laughs> children are poorly trained dogs. <laughs> I was at the... Uh, the um, the Choice Music Prize theater night. Oh right, I was really of course. rooting for them. I really, yeah, like me it would too. have been. It would have been. They weren't ex- necessarily expected to win. You know, they weren't one of the favorites as such. But they were nominated for the second time, I think. And yeah, I really would have loved it if they had had scooped. Yeah, me the prize. too. Yeah. Um, but your video was shown at the. Oh, was at it the, at the event? Yeah. Oh really? So does any royalties go searching for that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um. So you're 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 finished with the Spielberg thing. Yes. Okay. Yes, I finished up on that uh, um, just before Christmas in Germany, and I think it's going to be released maybe in the autumn of this year. Oh, cool. Something. Yeah, maybe a little earlier. I'm not sure exactly. Cool. Okay. So you excited for it to come out? Do you, what's that like? Do you go to premieres? Do you do you go and see it in the cinema? What? Um, I'll probably see it in the cinema here in Dublin. Right. Um, you know that's where I saw Grand Budapest for the first time as oh, really? well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Do you just go with some friends? You're like, I made that. I, that's mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I have um, a, an American friend called Jenna, who's like not introverted at all. And when we go see something at the cinema that I've worked on afterwards, she's like, "See, see, my friend, she's right here. She worked on this stuff." <laughs> so I don't actually have to like boast at all. She just does it all for me. Yeah, that's cool. It's it's nice to have those friends who, yeah, do some of that for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had a selection of your props in the Lighthouse Cinema, actually, for a while. Yeah, I, I believe, yeah. that's right. Your yeah. friend standing there just presenting <laughs> or introducing you. Sorry, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> My American friend Jenna. Yeah. Oh, no, that didn't happen. I was just saying she'd love that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, really? I don't remember her being there. She's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we go way back, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I always want to ask... Uh, people on the podcast is about just about creativity and, and, and the process and the process. So we already found out that you, um, you have a kind of set working hours. So it's eight to seven now and hopefully nine to five very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, there must be off days where you just don't feel creative or is that different in, in your line of work where you've got very definite things to make? Um, I get stuck on certain things. All right. right. Yeah. Okay. But I do other things instead, which are also work. Um, I think Jessica Hish summed it up really well. She calls it procrasty work. <laughs> so when you're procrastinating yeah. on another thing, you, you just jump onto something else that you have to get done. 
Yeah. Um, and I work well like that as well. Yeah. We, we had um, Josie Long on the last episode. She said something similar. Like those days where she can't write jokes or can't write her film mm. or whatever. She does her admin. Mm. She puts on a wash or she does the other stuff that has to be done. Yeah. 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 Actually, I was reading on Jessica Hish's website recently that she has an admin day all day on Mondays. And that's when she does all her administrative work and she doesn't do any creative work at all whatsoever. And it means that the rest of the week is totally free for creativity. And I thought, oh, I'm going to copy that as well. That sounds great. <laughs> mm. um, and then is there anything you, you do to particular to, to try and be inspired? Do you go to museums or listen to music or take a walk in the park? Or I never listen to music, ever. You don't listen to any music? Um... I do listen to music in my car, okay. but never, ever in my studio. Okay, right. Um, I find it really, really distracting. Mm-hmm. Like, I can handle maybe a little bit of music that doesn't have any lyrics I'm in it. I'm the exact same as that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as in, I, I don't really... I'm, I'm much more... I much prefer music with lyrics. So if I'm not doing anything, if I'm walking or something, I listen to music with lyrics. But if I have music on in the background while I'm working, it has to have... Because I focus on the lyrics too much. And I can't do anything yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they inf- start influencing your work. Yeah, like, and definitely yeah. if you're writing, you know. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And my medieval props aren't supposed to sound like a salt and pepper song. <laughs> <laughs> That's your, your favourite Yeah. Album. <laughs> um, um, and what else do I do to... Um, I look at a lot of books... Um, you know, I'm always telling junior designers that, like, if you need to research antique graphics, don't go to Google Image Search. It's the worst mm. waste of time. Like, right. mm-hmm. you know, you just look up antique telegram and you just end up wading through loads of, like, pictures of Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense. Or telegrams that people designed last week and called an antique telegram. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and also, you need to see these things in the flesh. Yeah. So. Go to a flea market, go to an antique shop and find some real bits of old ephemera right. and tickets and poison labels or whatever and see what they feel like yeah. as well as look like. Do you like you like some of the, the flea markets in Dublin? Some of the There's a few good ones around, isn't there? Yeah. Um, there's one down in um, near Guinness that's quite good. Um, I went a lot in Berlin while I was over there. The thing is with graphics and ephemera is that, like... Here in Ireland, we tend to throw that stuff away, you know, whereas in Germany, they keep it all. um, I showed some of Hitler's business cards last night. Oh, yeah, you think you might have done it. Yeah, they were a reference for one of the props in Grand Budapest. Yeah, it's really important to keep these Was that easy to find? Is that a... Um, Well... Um, actually, my grandfather had one of Hitler's business cards wow. um, because he fought in the Second World War, and um, they just met out one night in a pub. Got yeah, to talk yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could have changed business cards. <laughs> could have caught him that night. <laughs> so he'd always had it like in his house, but um, I, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was some kind of weird joke thing or something. Mm. I didn't get it. And then when I started reading up on them, when I was researching for the Grand Budapest. I realised that actually after the war there were boxes and boxes of like Nazi stationery that were just like taken and distributed out to the soldiers, you know, as mm. keepsakes. You know? Right. Wow. Um, so yeah, we used we used those as a reference for one of the props in Grand Budapest. It's not something you think about that Hitler had a business card. It's very strange. Like, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. You just don't. I wonder does. I was going to say something, and that would have made a comparison that I don't want to make, so I won't say that. <laughs> okay. But it's just weird to think that. I don't know. Somebody like that has a business card. It's strange. Yeah. I suppose it makes sense. Himmler and Eva Braun also 
Yeah. Business cards. Yeah. Well, they weren't exactly business cards. They were calling cards, which is something slightly different. It didn't right. have any contact details on it. Right. No email address. No email address, no <laughs> Twitter address, <laughs> no phone numbers. <laughs> um, just their name and job title. Right. Um, and the idea was that when you called over to someone's house and they weren't there, you'd leave your card okay. with the servant. Right, right. And then when they came home, they'd be like, oh... Hitler was here, <laughs> and they'd know that he definitely was there because right, he right. had his calling card. Um, what a scary idea! You come home, <laughs> Hitler was here. <laughs> he was looking for you. Yay! So, what have you been up to? <laughs> what could he possibly want? <laughs> uh, well, I suppose once we've covered Hitler, I think we're probably near the end. So yeah. I think we should maybe wrap it up. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, guys. It's and been really to, fun. Yeah, thanks to Matt for being here as well. Hey. Uh, you never talked about vectors, which I'm a bit disappointed about. We're Same. doing a separate podcast. Okay, vectors. the vector okay. podcast. Yeah. Cool, great. <laughs> so, thanks, Annie. Cheers. Thanks, guys. So that was the Annie Atkins episode of the Headstuff podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I still have Emer here with me. Matt had to run off and get a bus because that's what we do in show business. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, enjoy having a chat in the first half of course yeah anytime you want uh, more anytime we're talking about movies or yeah. just anytime at all no just movies just movies <laughs> okay cool um, better some right wing politics stuff we'll bring in <laughs> I don't know if we'll have too many right wing no, politics episodes <laughs> <laughs> some fascist comedy but I'll keep it in mind I'll keep it in mind um, we did actually uh, we did actually reach out to a politician this week but um, we got no response can you say who I don't know if we should. What's uh, I don't know anything about the law, so <laughs> <laughs> I won't bother. Is that why he said no? I'm not going to. No, on. I heard nothing back. No. At all. Um, it was an end of Kenny. Was it President Obama? Yeah, Obama wouldn't come on. <laughs> he went on Jimmy Kimmel. I thought, no. why won't he come on? Yeah. This is the biggest thing in Ireland right now. You're yeah. the Jimmy Kimmel. I would. Ireland. I believe we are. It's like we can get him to read mean tweets. Definitely. On this, we give him real mean tweets as well. Yeah, Not the soft ones. That <laughs> yeah, he really out. got soft ones, didn't he? Yeah, um, we we can definitely pick out funnier and rougher ones. Yeah, I'd love to see if I was saying some of that stuff. Be cool. Um, so uh, all the stuff that I have to remember to say, like um, you can join, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and and rate and comment and do all that stuff and SoundCloud and we're also on Stitcher now, which is where lots of cool podcasts are. So come on there and subscribe and rate and all that kind of stuff. Um, also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and check out the website, headstuff.org. I want to say thanks to Emer for coming on. Thanks, Emer. No worries. And Matt, who had to get off, but I think he would have said something similar to no worries. And thank you, Alan. Uh, you thanks. Said as well. <laughs> sure, look. <laughs> uh, thanks, as always, to the outstanding Adam Brennan, who's the producer of the podcast, um, who sits very silently, silently in the corner with a smile on his face. Um, thanks to Western Studios and the ADK Music Group and the Maldron Hotel for letting us record with Annie um, and thanks obviously to Annie Atkins who I think gave us a great episode um, it was a lovely conversation and hey, maybe we'll have her on the next time she makes a Wes Anderson movie yeah. um, I'm sure we'll have her back she did such a good job we actually talk about that in the episode so oh. people have just listened to it because this is the outro yeah. so uh, I also listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much and we'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>